The Effinrad Snowboard Podcast is presented by Vans. The final episode of Season 8 with Jess Kamira is just about ready to go. I've had an incredible season this year with 25 amazing guests. I added a YouTube video component. I visited High Cascade Summer Camp and Blaze Boot Camp. I got to ride Epic Tahoe Powder with Dave Downing, the Hatchet Brothers, and Corey Octoon. I rode Bear Valley with Blaze and Sioni and Roach and his Ripping Sun Rider. Designed and built a custom wired board with Rob and Pepe and with artwork by the great Kazna Hui. And I just got a Bluebird Pow Day at Mount Baker with Anson, who was one of the very first shredders I met at Boardroom way back in 1993. As always, no one knows what'll happen next season. Will it start early? Will there be tons of snow? Who knows? One thing's for sure, I'll be back with season nine starting November 1st with some amazing guests. I truly want to thank all of the listeners who reached out this year. You're the reason I do the show. And I'll be thanking all the sponsors after this intro. They're the reason I can do the show. So enjoy this season recap. I'll miss you. I'm quitting my mailman job this summer and not sure what I'll be doing for work. But hopefully a big part of it will be podcasting. I'm nervous and excited to follow this new path. So thank you for listening to or watching the show. It means the world to me. Season 8 was sponsored by Wired Snowboards, who build custom handcrafted amazing snowboards about 10 minutes from my house. Thank you, Rob and Pepe, for your continued support. Thanks, Guy and Fred. And thanks, Devin, for being Devin Walsh. And on Optics, make absolutely the best goggles in the world. And I appreciate their support so much. Burton's the company behind Anon, and they've been supporting snowboarding for way more than 40 years. I'm proud that Rad is sponsored by such an iconic company. The Boardroom Snowboard Shop is still going strong as Vancouver's premier snowboard shop, carrying everything you need for all types of snowboarding. Their online shop, boardroomshop.com, ships to Canada and the U.S. and is awesome. Check it out. Ken Achenbach sponsored the show this year with the Pro Standard GoPro Accessories. Find an epicagent.com. This place is awesome. Ken Ock Real Estate and his daughter's band, Kaya J and the Drink Tickets. Ken's the most enthusiastic snowboarder I've ever met, and he was a part of so much snowboarding history. It's just nuts. Thank you, Ken, for supporting F and Rad. And Tribute Board Shop was established in Nelson in 2003. The name is a tribute to Craig, so you know they've been supporting snowboarding culture since the beginning. Check out the Tribute Lounge on YouTube and make sure you subscribe. Check out tributeshop.ca for epic snowboard, skate, and lifestyle gear. Thank you, Mark Fawcett and Shane Johnson, for your continued support of the show and the community. Love you guys. I'm so stoked to have such amazing people sponsor the show. Dekine, Grouse Mountain, Mount Seymour, and Volcom all supported F and Rad this season with essential gear for me to get up the mountain. Thank you to Mike Costigan and Brian Shaw from Dekine. Marcus at Grouse is making amazing things happen up there. Keep up the stellar work. Thank you, Seymour, and thank you, Tyler Element from Volcom for keeping me in the fresh Gore-Tex Volcom gear. These are great partners to work with. Thank you all for your support. Here are some highlights from Season 8. And uh, I think, yeah, what we were talking about is people who were like, oh, they were a pro snowboarder, and now they're 
professional fishermen or they're right, right. You say like they're really into mountain biking. There's a lot of fun stuff to do. I don't want to knock anything specifically, but I don't, I don't like I took, and I took a long break. I took 12 years off and I didn't snowboard that much. Wow. And that was like, that was mental. You know, that was like being a professional snowboarder and snowboarding loves you. And then, you know, you, you get older and snowboarding doesn't love you in the same way. It hurts your feelings. And, you know, I, it was painful and I needed to, uh, sort of stay away from it to, I'd like to say to protect myself, but maybe it was, you know, maybe it was misguided regardless. Uh, it was what I did. Um, but there wasn't anything else I replaced it with. I just was miserable. (laughs) I mean, I, I make art and I paint a lot and I love making art, but like, it's still not the same thing as snowboarding. And like, there was no other activity. And I tried a lot of stuff. Played a bunch of tennis. I like that. Surfed a bunch. I like that. Drank a bunch of wine. That was nice. None of it snowboarding. Not all of it's good for you, you know. So I don't get how you would be active and able. Right. Like, I get it that some people's knees wear out. Yeah. I get it that some people, their back gets hurt or just whatever, and they can't do it. I don't get the people who are like, yeah, I was a pro, and now I ride mountain bikes all the time. (laughs) Again, someone's going to hate me for saying it, and I don't want to be the guy that is criticizing something, but it's just not as fun as snowboarding is. It was really cool because I remember there was like a public safety announcement from the governor of California that said, get outside. It's good for you. Um, We're going to keep resorts open. It's important for your mind and body and spirit and uh and to quantify and say how important which we know like i'm sure you go long you know there's certain (laughs) times in your life where you can't get outdoors and then you get outdoors and you're like oh my god it's like you know a bong hit of life and um to have that is uh it's we've known it's powerful stuff and now like the medical community is is telling us it's powerful yeah we're hearing a lot more of that now i don't know it's like there's this moment when you get really in tune with whatever you're doing Mm -hmm. you sort of listen just instincts and sometimes you get jumps sometimes you don't and and every time you your mind or whatever you you feel bad about something and you force yourself to hit the jump because you're like this is my job whatever i get hurt like right. almost every single time i'm like uh something bad happens yeah and so i've learned to kind of like feel it out because i'm like well um i'm gonna keep doing this for years so i need to know when to go and when not to go and so there's been times when i'm like you know i'm like i'm not gonna hit this jump I was with Devin actually in Alaska and he jumped over this gully and um, it was like a heel slide turn for me to ride in all the way and I looked at the trajectory where I have to go and I was like if I come off my heel edge a little bit I'm going to actually fly into the gully into the rocks and there's not enough time to make that adjustment and I just didn't feel like it was worth it Right. I just was like yeah, maybe on my toe edge I would feel slightly different, mm-hmm. but just coming down, flying this turn on my heel edge just didn't feel right. And you know, Devin got a cover shot. It was like so worth it. He was the only one hitting it. It was amazing. Right. Me and Andreas were both watching, and we're just like, wow, that's sick. 
you look at a piece in a museum, like you go in there and you see a bowl, a bentwood bowl or a box, a bentwood box, and it's heavily patinaed and you can't, it's, you know, hundreds of years old. But that piece was uh, completely integrated with in, in our culture. You know, that box, the ones that are carved, been painted, um, those are typically um, owned by high-ranking chiefs of a clan. And we'd store our sacred ceremonial items in those bentwood boxes. You know, the foundation for our culture is our kuik, which is our potlatch. That was when you'd see, that's like the central nucleus for our culture. You know, a, a kuik, kuik means to give. And so you'd host a, a kuik and, you know, the art form is on its true stage you'd see and it's true intention of the art form on display you know the masks were worn the, the beautiful bowls were used to serve food to everyone that came there and um the the bentwood boxes would, would hold our sacred ceremonial objects it's called at whether it be a clan hat and they'd, or they'd bring it out and and wear it just for that occasion you know then colonization the first thing they did was ban the kuik yeah. You weren't allowed to do that anymore. You weren't allowed to sing songs. You weren't allowed to celebrate your culture, you know. And a lot of the atu, those pieces were just taken. Huh. You know, pieces that had been within the clan for generations, you know, scattered all over the world. And so, you know, that's another <laughs> another reason, another piece of, you know, why I do what I do. I want to bring that bring it back i mean i know that, that there are a lot of people have conspiracy theories about big pharma and everything Absolutely. else but there's the, there trust me you don't want uh, an 18 inch scar down the center of your chest it sucks right, right. Uh, um, i'm super glad that that my life is gonna get a whole bunch better right now yeah. um, but going through what i went through in the last year sucks yeah and i didn't have to how could it have been different if you would have gone for screening if in I'd, your 30s in my 30s yeah even, even in the beginning of my 40s okay uh the the odds of me having a full blockage or they go down exponentially. So, so I should go get a screening just, for sure. Go, Anyone to, that's out there. You get a blood yeah. panel. If you're, if you're in your thirties and forties yeah. and you're a, a male or female, there's this pre, this understanding that it's like a, a male thing, but women have heart attacks too. Right. Uh, and you should know what your cholesterol is. Okay. If you have genetically high cholesterol, it will show up right away. It's not like it's not like because you had a burger and fries last night, it's going to look higher. Right. It doesn't right, work right, that way. Right. It's like it will show up in your, and, and they'll start you on a program. At that age in snowboarding, with the accessibility of cameras and it being cold, and you also getting to ride only weekends because your resort's only on the weekends, you don't film. So my introduction to a lot of filming was skateboarding, you know. Because cool. it's just, it's easy. I'm out in my backyard. I got the damn thing plugged in if I don't have the battery to the extension cord. Rad. And we're filming skating, you know? Like, that's... Snowboarding was like, oh, dude, I got this one 360 from 1997 to show people, you know? Like, that's all I have. <laughs> yeah. Like, there's nothing. Yeah. And I and just so you guys know, I live... I love clips. Like, it's an obsession, you know? It's like, it started that day in my driveway um with maybe even a boombox playing so that's like how you're getting your tunes and you know and then yeah. you're learning how to mix it on a analog mixing board or something but uh 
Like almost like a reel to reel. Exactly. Yeah. 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 But yeah. skate skateboarding was yeah snowboarding. I don't have much stuff from that time period because first of all, who are you going to stop? You're snowboarding. <laughs> you're going down the hill. Like yep. you don't have time. Like yep. nobody. You're off. You're out of school. You're you're loving it. You're you're snowboarding has like I think skaters who thought it was too much of a a bite of skateboarding are coming around to it now because they're like these dudes have the mountains they have something special yeah that's like they could do the same damn thing over and maybe you could say that for skateboarding i'm like kind of losing what i'm talking about right here but <laughs> I mean, I'm there here. was hate and yeah like the, 94 a little bit because i've even seen closer. some of my friends oh yeah i've there even seen some right. of my friends that were like these skate purists be like damn snowboard's kind of fun you know yeah. oh yeah that's Absolutely. that's great for yeah. dudes like yeah. us that yeah i love snowboarding i love i love snowboarding and yes i mean if you lived where i lived which is amazing like this winter was insane Rad. i mean we had you know april we got 11 feet of snow so that's <laughs> every day in april was a powder day oh wow you know? that's and, awesome and then in december and early january or january i mean it was just insane like how good the powder was it's incredible you know it's like we talk about utah pow keep talking about utah pow that's all i gotta say <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> lamar would just pay and i was really hooked up with freeman you know what i mean so i was ended up you know once again whether it's Damien and Dana or whoever we're kind of going filming with. So it wasn't really a Lamar project. Got it. But they yeah. got their play out of it because totally. then I had, you know, shots from up there and video from up there and Mac yeah. shots and, you know, they got their promotion. So totally Bert understood that, you know, from going from our circus needing to do half pipe stuff <laughs> to go, okay, yeah, I can understand that, you know, we'll go out and get real snowboarding that what we love to do anyway Totally. Just had to do the circus stuff early. So initially we were banished. You know, they didn't want anything to do with us. Um, because they didn't, it was new, it was different. And let's be honest, in less than perfect conditions, the boards weren't, you know, that functional yet. True. We got beautiful conditions. You could shred if anybody's seen that. And if you haven't, you should look at that 1982 Barfoot promo video. It's incredible. It's an eye opener and a mind blower. Yeah. And, uh, but we were all, and I'm not, I shouldn't claim that we were shredding as hard as those dudes, but we were pretty close to that level. I mean, everybody was just ripping. We had no, there was no reference. Everything was like, there was a point when there were eight snowboarders in the lower mainland, myself and seven other people. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, what get to the point is just that, yeah, we, they wouldn't let us on the hill. So I think at some point, we had some talk about man, this sucks. We're 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 going and we're hiking for seven and a half hours to get thirty minutes worth of runs in. Right. Which is it's rad. Hey man, go hike in the back country. It's rad. But like if that's all you have, and you see these chairs rattling over your shoulder, you're like, wouldn't it be nice to be on one of those? You know. So, um, and there were little stories. You know, uh, one year somebody hiked up past the first chair and somehow snuck on to the second chair up at Whistler <laughs> or wherever it was. And so there were little blips of things, you know, but it was still completely outcast. And we get on the phone one day and put on our most professional phone, phone voice and we start calling the resorts up around the, around the BC coast and started asking them, do you allow snowboards? To which they all said no. And then we'd ask why? To which they all just hung up on us, except Hemlock Valley, 
The Hemlock Valley is, uh, yeah, it's, I guess you would call it the valley region that's sort of outside of Vancouver. They were the only ones that actually humored us and said, well, yeah, we can't let you out because um, our liability insurance is such that it specifies people need to load and unload wearing skis off the, off the lift. And so we said, okay, well, um, if we were to load and unload off the lift using skis but carry our board in our, in our arms, would you allow that? And little hesitation and the dude on the line was like yeah yeah that'll be cool wow. we we're like ping you know it was like trying to like not act too excited but like okay what what days are you open <laughs> tech nine got selected to go to the trans world like team shootout cool and they were like hey we need a fourth dude what's up with dc are they putting you on or not we're going to montreal tomorrow do you want to go on this trip and go film for the team shootout and so like, it would be Board and bindings, tech. Everything. Stuff. Yeah. And yeah. Nomis outerwear. And Nomis. Right. And so I was like, fuck it. Yep. Here we go. I'm riding for Tech Nine now. And yeah, went to Montreal and uh, yeah, ended up it being awesome. We won the Transworld team shootout that year. Oh, and wow. I was the one that ended up getting the cover of Transworld Come from on. that. Yeah. Congrats, and I was just dude. like, and it was crazy because like Capital was also in it, and like Scott Stevens was there, Kelzima, all those dudes, and I'm thinking like one of them for sure. And when they like revealed the cover, I was like, oh my god, like I was losing it. Yeah, um, that's that so was like, sick. Yeah, that was. Where was at, the reveal? At the offices. Yeah, in SoCal. Um, they had like the big like Transworld Team Shootout like awards, and we didn't know that we had won, but like they were hinting because we weren't really sure we were going to go down there. And no, you guys need to come down here. Like, yeah, yeah, dope. okay. But I certainly didn't think it was going to be me. I thought it would be Dylan or um, Jonah Owen or uh, Derek Dennison, one of those guys, not me. So when it happened, I was pretty, I was pretty hyped. But um, and that's when I was like, well, I guess I made the right choice of going to Tech Nine. And for me, I felt like the only thing holding me back was my skin was the only thing holding me from bursting into the rainbow. Like that's what it wow. felt like. And so I felt like I was going to just be absorbed into everything. And it wasn't just the heavens or the clouds and the rainbow. Like I was going to be absorbed into the dirt under my feet. Like it was everything. And so I really was like, okay, I get it. Like nature has this power and we are connected to it. And so if we ever feel disconnected from this world or disconnected from ourselves, like nature is the place to go. Like 100%. I feel like I can reset at any time by getting out and connecting with, I mean, why wouldn't we be that connected to it? We're all here for to share energy. Like why wouldn't we also be sharing energy with nature? Yeah. When we started Robot Food, it was more of just based around like, we were just frustrated with the lack of uh, control that we had over the creativity of one, not so much of our snowboarding, but like the the way our snowboarding was portrayed. Yeah. And that's like via music or like the way the edits ran or whatever. And, you know, like, and I think for the time, you know, Standard did a great, I mean, they were amazing. They're, they always have a place in history. Their yes. films were great. Yes. But they were always pretty cookie cutter in a way of like how they approached it. TB4 is the same approach as TB8, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. so it was just kind of like the same kind of formula and we were just tired of it. So, um, I remember we were in Hemsworth all together and it was like, like Jess Gibson who was filming for the time for standard. And then, um, it was like UC 
and Johnny Mackinnon, myself, Travis, uh, and I think Inglesman was there maybe, and then um, and I'm probably missing some other people, I think Pierre Wickberg or something like that, because we were in Hims at all. Um, the, we just had like this meeting of the minds kind of thing like this hey we're gonna revolt basically wow. and we talked about building you know hey let's we should do our own thing and it was more based around like just you know creative freedom of being able to like control the music control like the you know just every aspect of it and um, the filler the vibe yeah the, the way the parts are laid and we wanted to have fun out. we didn't yes. want to like hot box the editing room we just wanted to like do as much as like just create a lot of fun things and let our personality shine a little more That's the yeah. first real trip we went on the first like kind of like travel adventure we drove Artie's truck out to jackson hole and we were out there and we we're it was some other like kind of co-project with uh a couple other skiers it was like uh Oh, Kevin shit. Andrews and wow. Griff Davis and and we're like we knew him from Tahoe like from Squaw and Tahoe and, th- and those guys were great and it was like we've never really been on a trip with skiers you know like, <laughs> they do their thing we do our things yeah so we drive out there <laughs> Graham and I are in the back of the truck like <laughs> in the back of the truck like Graham's just drinking beer I'm like dude that's fucking beer's cold like, I don't, you want a beer I'm like no I want a fucking like, something warm I want a fucking blanket <laughs> yeah, nice. <laughs> And so we just went all in the back of the truck the whole way. Like, Fuck. It was fucking roots. And uh, and so we get out there and we finally could stay in a hotel. And I was like, oh, turn the heat on. <laughs> yeah, I did a bunch of Arctic Challenge. We did, gosh, I think I was part of 9X Games and Holy uh, shit. did the one Olympics. I think I only actually was able to ride in half of them because half of them I was injured. Yeah. <laughs> Including yeah. the one right for, I got injured right for the Olympics and I couldn't practice at all. I, I tore my Liz Franck. What is that? It's a a ligament that holds the bones in the middle of your foot together. Oh, God. And I ripped it apart. So the doctors wanted to send a screw through the middle of my foot. Yeah. I'm like, no, I got to drop in the half pipe in 12 days. Yeah. So, and I couldn't even walk. So I just, I showed up on crutches and, and uh, they tried to pull me from the team. I'm like, I'll sit on my snowboard and go down. I I worked hard to get here, (laughs) which is super selfish. I'll admit. Uh, you know, they had a – Ross Powers is there to take my place if I couldn't ride. Oh, poor Ross. You know, <laughs> I know. After winning in 02. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was just like, I'm riding. Actually, the day of, I took one practice run. Like, we're good. Next nice. run, qualified third. Nice. And then uh, and pr- uh, practice went great going into finals. And, and like, all right. TV hold, everyone take one more run. Took one more run and broke my wrist. Oh, God, no. <laughs> but I – Whatever, still yep. ride. You can ride with a broken wrist. This just, is nuts. So your foot is fucked. You've got a broken wrist, and your back t- was seized too. I couldn't turn to the left. Oh my god! <laughs> and you're in the half pipe finals. Yeah, at in Torino, you can push through anything for a few minutes. So, oh my god! I actually had a pretty good run going. I just was going a little bit bigger than I was in practice, and I uh, landed past into the half pipe. Yeah, snapped the nose of my board off, and that was it. <laughs> wow. Property was a big point. Like I was 33 and I was like, well, okay, I, I have this dream you know, as a kid and am I going to do it or am I going to not do it? You know, I could easily go live in a condo and be set. Mm-hmm. But I was like, well, I want to I see what this looks like. And so I found this property through Tiffany Jones. She was my realtor and we snowmobiled up there and got lost. But I was like, if it's anywhere close, you know, I'll, I'll take it. <laughs> nice. So nice. I made an offer. And I looked yeah. at a couple other like more houses and Donner. Okay. But for a quarter of the price, I can get 40 acres. Oh, wow. You know, so I was like, 
I don't need anything fancy. I, I owned a house before. I know it's a lot of work. Mm. So just give me like a place to rest my head. And I want to be in the snow so I can actually walk out my door and go snowboarding. Rad. You know, it's done enough of it traveling. I still love to travel, but like if I have no red tape to shoot photography, like I could do anything. You know, I could set up for weeks, you know, even in the summer getting ready. And uh, that's kind of been my niche. Just kind of like offering, again, something unique. So unique. Yeah. More just wanting people to wake up a little bit, you know, on the yeah. off grid, you know, the consumption of what we, what we use. You it's, went so deep in that. At one point was the chairlift not going to run on like the Creek. That was, I'm yeah, I'm still dreaming. that. <laughs> yeah. And, and I'm not perfect of any of this being like off grid. No, 100%. I hear you, man. It's a, you know, it's a it's, philosophy more than it is like, uh, you know, you're blazing a path. Yeah. You just yeah. try and it, yeah. I've spiraled a little bit when you start thinking hard about it all. Mm-hmm. There, there, there is no clear answer. Right. You know, and it's just a sad one that you do kind of see. So it's like, well, okay. you know, life is about moments, you know, I'm going to do the best I can to experience what, you know, nature. And so that's where I'm, I'm up at 7,000 feet and wow. get 20 foot base of snow. <laughs> Did, was it designed for 20 feet of snow? Where, where would you get that knowledge? I didn't really calculate it out much, oh, wow. but, but I have, um, I had my cousin worked in the metal industry, okay. built parking lots and stuff. So yeah, yeah. he bent this I-beam for the, that's a curve of the cabin. And I was just asking, you know, how much can it hold? And, you know, like, well, if you put this post, it should hold, you know, four or five cars, you know, I'm like, okay. <laughs> you know, cause I'm, I'm at 430 pounds per square foot okay. for a snow load. Yeah. So it's, I, I figure what it comes out to, but so it's a lot. Yeah, hell yeah. But what I learned is I spent one year just kind of getting familiar with the property and I've realized the wind is my friend. And so the wind blows a lot of the snow off the, off the cabin. Oh, sick. Acts kind of like a tree well around the door. Yeah. And so these different things kind of like, I tried to listen as much as I could to, to be more in harmony and work less. I was, I was thinking about this earlier cause I knew you were coming over and I couldn't even tell you the damn video parts that I was in when I snowboarded because I just, I had a different mentality about how I saw snowboarding. I love to snowboard, obviously, but what attracted me to it is that it pissed people off (laughs) because I was an old punk rock kid back in Orange County in the punk rock scene back when No Doubt was an actual punk rock band and not a a glam band. Yep. And um, I I grew up in Big Bear Lake, but I moved down to Orange County when I was uh, early in my teens. And then I went back up to Big Bear Lake. And I so I skied like everybody else that was around at that time. We didn't have snowboarding. And um, all my buddies were snowboarding uh, one time. And we went up night uh, snowboarding. And I don't even remember the board I had. But I want to say it was either a Sims or it might have been a Lamar. One sure, of the two. Some, sure. Somebody let me borrow. Yeah. And I was um, chasing this girl. <laughs> um, and you know she was cute I was trying to get after her and she snowboarded and so I went up and she freaking smoked me man <laughs> she was laughing at me remember every part of my body was sore but that's how I got into it Um, and once I started it I haven't skied since right Um, and no nothing against skiing but I just didn't have a, a, a reason to do it and I got into it because you know when I went into the, the line at the ski lift to get on the skiers hated hated me (laughs) and i was like you know i grew up skiing i was like what the fuck is this guy's problems but um when i moved down to orange county i got into surfing and skateboarding and stuff like that 
And I just loved how much it pissed the establishment off. Totally. And that was always my draw to snowboarding was more of the a community of, of, you know, kids saying, fuck the norm. Totally. You, you know? know, I think Craig's last. Oh, that was the thing. We were at uh, Sam Moritz before we did this trip. And Craig won the World Cup in Sam Moritz. Half pipe. He beat Sean Palmer. They were one and two. That was oh, kind wow. of a funny scenario. Terry Kidwell was supposed to go on the trip, but he hurt his ankle really bad, which so kind of sucked. He wasn't so, there. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, that would have been, I think, nine. It was the last year he was actually competing. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, he moved right into free. Yeah. It's all about movies and free riding. Did you guys talk a lot on the trip? Like, is that where? Yeah, this is probably the first trip i really had an opportunity to know him because i'd shot him for a couple of years in contest and then at baker i shot him in 89 mm -hmm. i shot him at uh you know the burton team had a house in Truckee. And they built a quarter pipe there i shot him there and then, you know so but he was the man at this moment he was the man he was he the was, world champion he, he, was he was pushing team Bur burton. stuff at, at yeah, burton yeah. yeah pretty much i mean you know you got Jason Ford and Brushy and everybody else, too. It was a good crew. Yeah. The Truckee House was full of stars. Festical. My yeah. band played Festicle. No way. I was the MVP of the first Festicle. Yes. So anyway, yeah. So yeah, that time with KT was dope. And so like our my, my friends from, from, from Spokane grew up and went to school with Luke Edgar and Haley and, and, and that whole crew that was running K2 at the time. Rad. And so uh, Mike and, and the guys would come and cook at this um, retailer, Mount Rainier hike cool. every June. And so that's where I met uh, Ted Irwin, who at the time was the K the Northwest rep and for K2 and for dragon. And then, so I met him, he lived in West Seattle and um, um, he would be like, you know, I, I was good at hiking. I, I, I would work and get stuff done and I was good at talking with people. And so he would be like chasing me. He had, <laughs> For, for years, he kind of, through all these little events and stuff, he was like trying to pull me into the industry. And I'm just like, I'm good. You like, yeah, you yeah. give me a, like, I was like, okay, I need two boards and a pair of goggles. <laughs> like, what do I have to, what's the least I need to do yes. so I'm not obligated? And so I buy a snowboard and it comes. And, it, you know, it's funny. It's like, I don't even have to close my eyes and I can, I can see my kitchen or my mom's kitchen and me saying, Hey mom, can I borrow your credit card? I want to buy a snowboard. Yeah. Buying a snowboard. It comes, I run across the street cause we lived on a hill yeah. and you know, I've been to the hill ba back in the day. There was snow all winter yeah. and it was, I don't know, about a foot deep pow, yeah. Yeah. grass, throw my feet under the straps and do a couple of wiggle turns down to the fence at the bottom. And I was like, that's oh, it. That was yeah. rad. That's it. And just like stayed out till, well, Way past. I mean, it was dark. It was summer or yeah. it was winter. It was dark yeah. at Calgary yeah. at 3 yeah. o'clock. So I stayed out past dark. It was 3.30 in the afternoon. <laughs> but uh, like just stayed out until I was worn my legs out. Right. And came back in and went, Mom, can I borrow your credit card? I want to buy six more of these because I know this is going to be the raddest thing ever. And I, we want, we can sell them to other stores. So in 80, how that old That was 1980. You? You're 17. So I was 15 because I wasn't. 15. Yeah. <laughs> and, <laughs> and my mom like. I still can't believe it. You know, it's like single parent mom, no money. Like she supported us by being a nurse and going door to door selling encyclopedias. Like, you know, I found myself over the years, like being very positive on things and then you're in the flow and then things happen and you don't necessarily realize that you're actually bringing it. Right. It just happens and you're like, oh, it happens. And then like, yeah, one thing is need to the next. 
I found that I realize that even uh, way more when I go the other way. If I go negative, and then you start your day negatively, and then something else happens, and then you're like, oh, you're angry, and then it it attracts more. It attracts more negative outcome and negative experiences, and then then you're like, ah, oh, you're angry about it, and then it just comes yeah. back. Yeah. But what I learned is that you always have the choice to switch that. As humans, we can just switch from negative to positive very quickly. Now that we're older, it's a little easier. Of course, life's going to happen. Yeah. You're going to get challenges. You're going to get things that's thrown at you. Yeah. So I got sponsored by Barfoot in high school. How? Uh, Andy Coughlin basically vouched for me. So I was competing. And, you know, you, you, you go from these things where you just want to snowboard and do it and learn how to do it. And then you go to these contests because it's like, oh, I want to go to the contest and see yeah. other people and see how I do. And you get results and they're marginal. Um, and then you, you're like, I want new equipment, but it, it's cost money I don't have. So if I can get it for free, yeah. we'll get sponsored. Um, and in my high school, um, the halls, Steve and Greg Hall live there. Greg was on the first Burton team. And so he's part of like the first catalogs and all that stuff. Oh, rad. Um, and then Steve would get all the free, free stuff from Greg. And then Noah Brandon was in my high school. Oh, and wow. so they were getting free. So I, so there was like already a connection, like they're getting free stuff. Maybe I can get free stuff. Yeah. And then, you know, I, I wanted to do something different than Burton. Um, and Barfoot, you know, Chuck responded and Andy, you know, gave him a call and said, yeah, you should pick him up. And so I went to um, the purgatory um, they were like the, the time trials, they called them Yeah, in 88. And, um, it was my first year out of high school. Uh, I was sleeping on the floor at the Barfoot house. Oh, and, wow. Um, like Chuck and Ernie and Evan and all those Well, it was guys. a team house. Yeah. So it was like, um, like Estes and, you know, oh, wow. some of those guys. Um, yeah. and so I was sleeping on the floor there and then riding the pipe, my, you know, Steve Hall, my friend comes up and says, Hey, uh, Jake asked me if you want to ride for Burton. And I'm like, get out of here. I'm like, you know, I'd die to ride for Burton. He's like, well, I'm like, you're, you're kidding. Right. And he's like, no, I'm serious. And so uh, I went down and talked to him. I talked to John Yusko, who's the manager. And next thing I know, I'm reading a contract and, you know, moving over That's for product, yeah. <laughs> product yeah. and incentives. <laughs> I think when I was younger as an artist, I was more worried about what people wanted and maybe working towards what people wanted. Mm -hmm. And then I just started working in what I wanted to see. Right. And even though you do make art for people, I think it's important as an artist to be able to go, you know what, I want to see that art. You know, I want to do that thing because then you're going to get the best out of it. Totally. You're going to produce your best art. What you're going to, like when you do commissions for some brands or whatever, sometimes they put too much on you that they go, oh, can you just change this? Can you just change that? Well, no, because that's my artwork and you're just commissioning me just to make art for you now because you can't paint a picture. <laughs> right. You know? Right. Not in a dickhead way, but like that's how sometimes it feels like, wait a minute, yeah. you just want to draw a picture, but you can't, don't know how to do it. So you're going to get me to do it. And truth change it so how they want it exactly i went up to canada to go try to find a cliff to launch off right yeah so i bought my old snowmobile back from thin air motorsports and Truckee. they he had bought my snowmobile for like two grand and he wanted to put it up in his shop because it was the one i had backflipped right oh right so i said hey man can i buy the sled back from you 
and I want to take it up to Canada to go do the snowmobile base jump. So I had a parachute for an ultra glide airplane that I had attached to the back of the snowmobile so that when I got off the snowmobile and opened my parachute, I would then deploy the parachute for the snowmobile. So find this cliff and it's not very big. It's like maybe, it's maybe like a seven or 800 foot cliff, which seems big, but it's really not that big. For a base jump. Yeah, right, it's not that right. big for a base jump. So I went off it, did a real slow backflip. Filmer and the photographer both missed the shot. No, I open up my parachute, no. my parachute cracks open, rips the back bar off my snowmobile. Snowmobile does like a 600 foot lawn dart. And they didn't get the footage of missed this? Missed the shot. No. So it sticks nose in and it like literally looked like a lightning bolt to my, the hull of the snowmobile. Like it crushed it like an aluminum can. So when it did the backflip, it stayed nose down and just went and uh, we had to go up and like pull the snowmobile out and like be sure that all the parts were taken and we put them into a net. You know, a lot of people the next year when I did it and we got it on film. So anyway, I did have one shot. Okay, so I had one uh, video camera shot that my buddy Miles Dasher shot from the side. So you see me go off the cliff, wah, you see me flipping and then I go out of frame. And so you're like, whoa, that was just like a 300-foot backflip on a snowmobile. Like, what did yeah. I just see? Yeah. So I sent it to Jason Moriarty, and he looked at it, and he goes, man, you know, that shot's gnarly, and it's super rad, but, like, instead of letting the cat out of the bag, how about next year we go back up to Canada, we go get two snowmobiles, film it out of the helicopter again, and get the shot? And I was like, yeah, let's do it. I didn't know anybody. Of I just course. moved out there. I was a busboy. <laughs> And I knew my brother and he knew Tom Burt and Jim yeah. Zellers and Bonnie and a couple other people, Palmer. I didn't really know anybody right. myself. So I'm just like busting tables. And one day I was driving over this little pass back behind Breckenridge to go over towards a basin. There was this kicker on the side of the road. Yeah. I'm like, I'm going to pull over and hit that thing. So I started hitting this thing and these guys walk out of the house and it's Nick Parada. <laughs> <laughs> It's no, Nick Parada and, and, and his friend Pat Solomon. So we just hit it off instantly. I just we cool. started sessioning this kicker together, and then one thing led to another. We are friends. We became friends. I started. Hey, I, I shoot pictures. Can I shoot some photos to you guys? So it was Parada. I started shooting photos, and then Andy Hetzel lived out there. Yep. Zach Bingham. I, I met him. So I started shooting photos of those guys, and then. The I basically shot that whole season. I bust tables and shot photos, and then that season, the first issue of Snowboarder magazine came out. Sick, and I submitted photos and got a bunch of stuff published. And then at the end of that season, Pat Solomon, he was he wasn't like Nick. He wasn't like a pro snowboarder. He was a guy that went to was went to film school. But but after snowboarding with him all year. He told me in the spring when it was when we were all kind of parting ways. Hey, I went to film school. I, I want to be a director. Do you and your brother? This is a totally off the cuff. Do you, do you and your brother want to make a snowboard movie next year? I'm like a snowboard movie, and I'm like, okay, I don't know how to film. I don't know how to shoot photos, but I don't know how to film. So he's like, well, I, I know how to film. I can teach you. It's just like shooting photos. You just load the film in. It's it's film. Yeah. It's aperture. It's focus. It's, right. it's you know it's framing. It's the same thing. So he asked us if we wanted to make a movie and I'm like, well, let me talk to my brother about it and think of how we can get some funds and, and talk about it. And so we, I was like, that's a rad idea. So I came back to Tahoe that summer. I had finished Breckenridge, came back to Tahoe and my dad, when we were in, I think it was seventh or eighth grade, 
he gave us $7,000 each is like a, this is your money for your future. I'm going to put it in a stock in stocks for you and invest it. And then when you get older, if you want to use it to start something or whatever, you can use it. And that $7,000 turned into $15,000 a piece. So we had 30,000 bucks a piece. And we're like, it was like roulette, 30,000 on black. Let's make totally bored. Like I went on a lot of trips with some really great filmers who were really awesome. I went on a lot of trips with filmers who did not want to get out of the van to film my thing. And were not shy about telling me that. And or being like that, just not getting out or like when they're filming you and they're just like on their phone the whole time and you're like "Uh, dropping, you know, or it's just like, you know, um, and this isn't like me making something up because I feel it in my mind. I am an emotional girl. Like this is fucking legit. And, and I would fucking be like standing on the drop-in ramp or like that's, I would usually just like try something like absolutely insane and like get tacoed on the rail, but just like almost do it. And then they'd be like, Oh yeah, maybe. But what I'm saying is it wasn't just like, Oh, I'm running a risk here. It was more like the next trip, this filmer's filming me. And these dudes are like giving me a, a bro toe into this rail. The next trip, it could be like the other one that I went on where no one would get out of the van to help me, even though I would like shovel for everyone and fucking hustle and stay out in the cold and get frostbite just to like make sure that I was helping them and just hoping that they would see that. And that when it was my turn, finally, they would do that. And then they wouldn't because not because they're bad people, but just because they don't care and they're not paying attention to me because I'm not in their fucking squad or whatever it is, you know, or their, their idea is like that. I don't really know what I'm doing. So I, it's not, yeah, they're just not even thinking about you in any way, shape, or form, even though you're a rider on the trip. Um, but yeah, it was more that, that like, I have to get as much done here in case the next one I go on is like that other one that I like went on. Like a dud, right? Yeah. F and Rad shoutouts this week to all the guests this season. Thank you to all the sponsors and thank you to all the listeners. You guys are the best. The F and Rad Snowboard Podcast is presented by Vans and brought to you by F and Rad Snowboarding.